The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, a creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick Brown, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. <laughs> New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Real Pod. I cannot believe Christmas and Christmas Eve are right around the corner. And honestly, Christmas Eve sometimes now I think feels way more fun and special than actual Christmas because of like the anticipation. I don't know. The older I've gotten, the more I've been a Christmas Eve stand versus a Christmas stand. Let me know if you agree or disagree. But I'm just so excited. This is just such a special time of year. And actually right now, today, I am headed to DC for a very meaningful and special opportunity to talk about mental health on Meet the Press. I am seriously so excited. Uh, My parents cannot believe I'm going to be on that show. And I'm going to be sitting aside to very brilliant, powerful people also talking about the importance of mental health and mental health awareness and destigmatization and accessibility and resources. It's just an insane opportunity. So I'll be posting about that on my Instagram so that you all can tune in and hopefully... (laughs) I do well. I think I will. I'm a little nervous. I usually don't get nervous, but the stakes are high because it's literally meet the press, but it's okay. We're going to slay it. Confidence, right? Anyways, I wanted this week to really touch on the root of what's super important to me with all the work that I do on the internet. And that's tying it back to mental health and normalizing the fact that we all go through our own journey at some point in time. And I started all this as a female athlete at USC, and it's been a while since I've had a female athlete on the pod. It's been too long, okay? And so I'm incredibly grateful for today's guest for coming on RealPod because we have the 2023 U.S. Women's Open Champion, Allison Corpus, joining us today. She's a member of the LPGA Tour, and just like me, she's a fellow Trojan girly. She golfed on the USC women's golf team and has been killing it professionally ever since. But while it might look effortless and triumphant and butterflies and rainbows on the surface, for a high-level elite athlete to accomplish the things that Allison has accomplished, you got to know that there's so much more than what meets the eye and that there must have been a treacherous journey that led her to this point. And I'm so grateful that Allison came on RealPod today to share a bit more about her successes, but also the setbacks that she had to overcome to get to this point. So this is going to be a great one. Shout out to the female athletes, my grinders, my girlies out there working so hard. I see you. I know it's hard. 
Allison and I are hopefully going to give you some comforting words today and some motivation. So without further ado, please help me welcome Division One athlete and U.S. Women's Open champion, Allison Corpus. Allison, I'm so happy to have you. This has been like such a fun full circle. I feel like we need to rehash for everyone how we first met. And then I was watching the US Open and I tagged you. And then I saw the DMs and I was like, wait, oh my God, I know Allison. And I was piecing it together. So the first time we met, 2018, what was the speech I did at SC? So it was a body image. It was, I think it was just maybe for athletes. Was it really um, small? It was, it was really small and like I eight remember. girls. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So my best friend, Divya, has been obsessed with you. Um, Shout out to Divya. <laughs> she's also the one who like arranged this entire thing today. And she was just like, hey, there's this YouTuber. And she did like a TED Talk. There's this girl who goes to SC and she's doing the session tonight. Like, do you want to go? And I was like, sure. Like, that was kind of my yes year. Like, I said yes to everything. <laughs> Went and, I mean, you gave such a great speech. Like, I've been following you ever since. And yeah, like, that's 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 when I first met you. And then, yeah, just been tuning in. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm so touched that, you know, Divya brought you and that you enjoyed it and then wanted to kind of keep up with everything online. And then I was watching the Women's U.S. Open at Pebble and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's this USC golfer. This is so cool. And it had been 18, 19, 20. It had been like many years since we had met in person. So I don't know why I didn't connect the dots. And then I, you won. It was insane. We're going to talk all about that. And then I, I went to tag you just to be like, fight on. And then I was like, oh my God, we've messaged like in 2018. I know her. And so then like we got back in touch and then that's why we're here. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, just that's the dream for not only all athletes who play at the D1 level, but for golfers and I have a love for golf because I have a golf family. My brother golfed at UCLA and played professionally for a bit. And so I know how, like firsthand from watching that, like how mentally intense it is. So I cannot wait to talk about how your brain works. (laughs) I'm really excited for today. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So I would love to hear about when you first fell in love with golf and then started to realize that you were really, really good at it. Yeah. So... My dad's actually a really big golfer, and then I have an older brother who's two years older than me. So we live on a golf course, and my dad would just kind of bring us there on the weekends. And I started pretty young. I started when I was like four, four or five years old, and kind of it was just kind of an instant thing. I mean, I'm sure you've tried to hit the ball before. It's a bit frustrating at first when you start. Yeah, and it was just more, okay, like how can I get better Like from from the start? Just really enjoyed trying to get better and then started playing junior tournaments when I was seven, eight years old. And I think that made it even more fun for me. I was meeting other girls my age. I was, you know, we would travel to different islands for junior tournaments and then just just having the family time and spending time with my dad, my brother. And then now my mom travels with me on the road. It's really become like a family thing for us as well. I love it. And then when you were deciding to play in college, obviously at the D1 level, how did you choose SC? Yeah, SC's like the perfect golf school. I mean, I'm from Hawaii originally, so it was kind of like far enough away, but also the closest I could get while still (laughs) leaving the island. That and then my dad actually went to SC as well. So he was like, I loved it there. Like, I think you'll like it there. And then I committed in, I believe, 2014, my sophomore year, and they had just won the national championship in 2013. So 
it was like the coach, the program. And then I visited the school and I was just like, this is really somewhere where I could see myself, you know, spending four years. Wow. I love that. The recruitment phase is so exciting, especially when you do visit and fall in love with a program. And then that's the program you get to play at. We both had that experience. And it, and then when you show up, you're like, oh my God, like I got my sweatshirt and I'm getting my shoes and I'm wearing the red and the yellow. And, you know, it just feels so great. I know I had a jarring transition from my high school volleyball experience and club experience to the intensity at the D1 level. Did you have that with golf? Yeah. I mean, like I said, like our team was really, really good when I came on. And I think just the first month or two of college was really tough. You go from, you know, having your parents helping you out, kind of being able to do your own thing and, you know, take days off when you want them and stuff like that to, you know, having your schedule set and having practices. I mean, working out was fairly new to me, at least that consistently. When I came onto the team where it was, I was the only freshman. We had one sophomore and five seniors. So I was kind of seeing, like at the time I didn't realize, but I'm seeing a lot of these girls at the end of their college career, right? Like they're way better than me. Like they've had three, four years to improve. And I was just kind of like, wow, like I'm, I'm not good enough. So that was a bit different kind of learning to reset expectations and just kind of say like, hey, like, you know, I'm here to grow. Like, it's okay to like not be at my best right now. Mm -hmm. So what was your biggest struggle then freshman year? Like self-confidence? I would say it's more, it was more just learning to balance everything, just being fully responsible for myself for the first time in my life. And yeah, just having the independence that and like, I mean, your schedule is so busy as an athlete that I think making friends was really hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, until I met Div, I kind of felt like, yeah, like I have a few friends, but no one that I was really seeing like, you know, weekly and like scheduling like fun events outside of practice. It was really just like practice is taking up my entire life. <laughs> like how I don't know how people do anything else. It's so true. And then you're thinking, well, I'm friends with my team. But then you're like, am I or are we just always together for all these hours every day? And so we feel like we're friends or we're using this term family, but like I don't feel that way. You know what I'm saying? I definitely relate to that. Looking back on my time at USC and people be like, how many great friends did you take away from college? And I'm like, a little part of me feels embarrassed that like I don't have that many. But then I'm like, but you don't get it. I'm like, I had to spend like five hours a day with my team and I didn't have the time to like, yeah, do the things to make the friends. And then when it volleyball ended for me, I was, you know, tag teaming my high school friends, friend group and like trying to fit in. But I don't know if I was. That's definitely something I think a lot of female athletes experience. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like it's 20 hours mandated, but then really your coach expects you <laughs> to practice. More than that. <laughs> and then obviously the school, like like you're there at the end of the day to get an education. Like that was always really important to me. So there were definitely a few things that I turned down. And then I think just as you get used to everything, like you get more energy, right? The more you work out, the better like condition you're in. And I think the better you realize like how to balance like, okay, like maybe this assignment, like I don't have to try as hard as I would a freshman year. Like mm -hmm. I can just make sure I've done the work and then go go do something else. So how did you deal with the stress when you felt like you didn't have the balance yet and there was so much to do and it was overwhelming? Yeah, my family's always been such a great support system for me. I mean, my brother, my older brother actually went to SC as well. So we overlapped for two years there. He was just really helpful, I think. We ended up eating out a lot together. And then his suite was really, really accommodating to me. They were so sweet. They were just like an older brother and sister to Aww. me. So having them my freshman year was definitely super helpful. And then I think just 
giving it time, like eventually you will make friends. Like you'll have a few group projects and classes or something and then, you know, find the people you click with. And I think once I kind of started focusing on like, okay, like USC is giving me all of these opportunities and like, not that I was ungrateful before that, but it was more just kind of shifting my perspective to focus on like all the good things that I had that I think was when I like really started to enjoy it. I recently just got the cutest, coziest, but most supportive slippers for my feet for this holiday season. I'm truly obsessed with them. They are the Women's Sakura Mule from Vionic. I got them in the color wheat. It's super beautiful. It's like this beigey tan color. They're braided. But aside from how cute they look on the outside, the most important thing about these slippers is that they're from Vionic, which means they have Vionic's exclusive Viomotion technology. And that's what truly sets them apart. Bionic began by revolutionizing medical orthotics, and today they continue to use that science to engineer shoes that leave you feeling energized and confident all day long. I used to wear orthotics when I was really little. I have flat feet. That was always a pain point for me playing college sports, and I always need to make sure that my feet are getting the arch support that they need. Otherwise, I feel the aches and pains throughout my whole body. So I love my shoes from Bionic. They also have sneakers. They have mules. They have heels. Definitely check out the website. I know you're going to find a pair that you love. And Bionic even offers a 30-day guarantee. So you can wear them, love them, or return for a full refund within 30 days. So really, there's nothing to lose. Use code REALPOD15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at www.vionicshoes.com when you log into your account one-time use only. Check out the Sakura Mule slippers because yeah, girl's obsessed. Okay, if you did not get a Christmas gift for the very important people in your life yet and you're starting to stress and be like, oh my gosh, what should I give them? Please, seriously, look no further than StoryWorth and you can do this today. It is seriously one of the best gifts I've ever given to both my parents and my Yaya. StoryWorth is a storytelling service that helps your loved ones document their timeless life stories into one beautiful book. Every week, StoryWorth will email your loved one a single life-related question that you pick from their collection. So it could be, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? Tell me about your first kiss. Who is the first person you ever fell in love with? What's your biggest advice for raising kids? You know, whatever it is. And then each week, StoryWorth emails that to the loved one you've chosen. Then all they have to do is reply with their answer. And then after a year, StoryWorth compiles all of your loved one's stories and memories and even any photos into an exquisite hardcover book, which creates a valued keepsake. I know it was fun for me to learn things about my Yaya's childhood. Like what was your favorite thing to do as a kid? There's just questions that we forget to ask. So help your family share their story this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com slash real pod today and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H.com slash real pod to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash real pod to save $10 on your first purchase. Just in the way that you're talking about everything, I can tell you have this natural like shift to optimism or like the bright side or like that growth mindset. Have you always had that? Is that something that your current mental coach has helped instill in you? I'm so fascinated with that journey because I definitely wasn't 
as self-aware of my thoughts and the way that they were working and framework. And it's clear you've done that work by the way you discuss things. Yeah, it's definitely something that like, I mean, I think it's a constant journey that I've worked on and like still working on to this day. But I think like everyone goes through problems, right? So it really is just how you react and move forward from them. That's that's always been really important to me is like, okay, like this thing has happened. Like now what? I mean, I think everyone has had their days where, you know, you sulk, you cry, like totally. you have your tough times. And I think just knowing like there's going to be something on the other side has always been the perspective that my parents have instilled in me. I love that. And it's always comforting to know you at least have like one person who will be on the other side of something for you if it's not yourself. And I'm curious, like, obviously I talk a lot about the struggles that I've had and anxiety and depression, body image issues, and like overcoming that and trying to still succeed at my sport and my craft. And I'd have to imagine like you might have been through something similar. What's maybe the biggest struggle that you've had to face because no one gets to be the best at their craft without having, like you said, those really intense trench moments. Yeah. I mean, I think just going through college, I mean, when COVID hit, everything kind of shut down. But even before that, just just my junior year, I had a pretty tough time on the team. It's been mentioned like in a few articles and stuff. But at one point, I think school was just so overwhelming and like the team environment and everything that I actually called up my parents and I was just like, hey, like after I'm done with SC, like I'm done with golf. And so I missed nationals my junior year. I missed qualifying for nationals. Our team played, but I didn't. And at that point, I was just like, like, why have I worked so hard for this? And it just feels like nothing has really paid off. Like, I think there's also the uncertainty of, you know, like college athletics, like you go there on scholarship and you know that your four years are set. And even for some sports, it's not. But at least for me, I signed a four-year and I knew, okay, like college is covered. But then it, I think every athlete has like the what comes next, right? And in that moment, like in those few months, like I was just not enjoying it so much that I was like, maybe I would enjoy having a job after college more. And then I called my parents and they understandably freaked out. And then I think like I took some time off then and, you know, it was summer vacation. I was just like, okay, like, just take some time to reset. And then I kind of, like you said, like just shifted a bit. And I was just like, okay, like if this is my last year of college golf and like golf, like I just want it to be the best possible. Like I just want to have so much fun. I want to like, you know, connect with my teammates. I want to do everything that I feel like I haven't done yet at SC. So had a really good fall season. And then I was just like, maybe I should rethink this. And then COVID hit. But was playing really well. And then I was just like, okay, like I talked to a few of my older teammates who had turned pro. I actually have one teammate who turned pro and then went to law school. So she graduated from Duke Law after and now she's practicing, practicing law. And I called her up and I was just like, hey, like, what was your decision maker? Like, what did you think about when you decided to turn pro? Like, what made you walk away? And I think she gave me a lot of perspective just saying like, you know, like you can always go work right? Like everyone kind of told me you can always go work after, but you can't really rewind the clock and go back to being 22, 23 and say like, oh, by the way, like 10 years after I put down my clubs, I want to turn pro now and really expect to be as good as you used to be. So I think with that perspective, it was like, okay, like I'll give it a chance, see how it goes. And yeah, like it's turned out, (laughs) turned out really well. So I did not know that. Did you know that I took a mental health leave after my junior year too? I didn't know that. So I feel like we're so similar in that. I I also felt like 
I'm not my best self. I'm not enjoying this. We're playing for a final four right now in the tournament and national television. And I just want to be curled up in a ball in my hotel room. And I'm like, my inner child is so confused because this is everything I ever wanted. And I realized I need to get myself back together because I'm just chugging along and it's not me. And I'm and I'm not, I'm not okay with ignoring what's screaming me in the face, which is you're not okay right now. So I also took took that break, but it was hard. I had to tell my team, I had to talk to my parents, my coaches. What were those conversations like when you, you know, you said your parents were really shocked. You had to tell your team, you're not at championships. Are people worried? Like, how did you deal with the result of making that choice? Making that choice is hard enough and then and then being in it is also hard. Yeah. So I was lucky where it fell over summer break for me. <laughs> so, I mean, I missed nationals because I didn't qualify. So my coach decided like, hey, these are the people who are going to be exempt for nationals. Like you're going to be qualifying against this other girl. And then I lost the qualifier. And then, I mean, yeah. So really the only hard conversation I had was with my parents. I had kind of talked to a few friends. I talked to Deb about it, like just because she was recruiting at that time for summer internships. And I was just like, hey, like, you know, what is that process like? Like, I've never really done that. I've played a lot of summer golf. And it was tougher than I expected, but it also felt so needed that it was like, I can't keep doing this. Like, I just need to take some time off. Like, I need to figure things out and like, hopefully, like, just see see what ends up happening. I mean, I really didn't know what was going to happen, but I was just so unhappy after missing nationals. I was just like, I like, I look back and I think it was more just, being unhappy with how busy I was and how, you know, how tough the college schedule was. But at the time, I think I just attributed to golf and was just like, this is the reason why I'm unhappy. And I don't want to touch my golf clubs. I don't want to be out on a golf course. Like, I just want a break. So did you give yourself that break? And how long did you not touch your clubs when you went home for the summer? Yeah, I, pro- I mean, I put them away for like two and a half, three weeks, which for me at the time was a very long time. I mean, I feel like I've always kind of felt like you you do lose it a bit. I don't know how it is with volleyball, but you know, you take a few days off and the next day at practice is a bit tougher just because you haven't really been doing anything for a few days. So I had never really taken off probably more than a week in a row. So that was really the first time I had not touched my clubs for a long time. And I think that was the first time it felt really nice just to just to not be worrying about like, oh, like what time am I going to go to practice today and really just be able to like make plans with my friends and and do other things. (laughs) I literally remember being like, I'm going to put bracelets on. I'm going to put jeans on, like just feeling like the littlest things that when you're going to practice and you're showering, you're running to class, like you're never putting on an outfit. You're wearing your athletic gear. I'm at least never wearing bracelets because I'm always diving and I and I never have my nails long. And I'm like doing all these like, I don't know, these fun girly things I had missed doing when I was in the grind. So it is true. Like just being like, yeah, I can go hang out today at the mall or go to the movies because I'm not practicing and I don't have, you know, a match to play. So that hits for sure. When was the day you did pick up the clubs and what was that feeling like? I think like during those two weeks was kind of when I made that decision of like, you know, I want this year to to be really good this next year. So I had I had already signed up for a few summer tournaments. I think I always tried to play like two or three tournaments during the summer. So when that time kind of started to come around, I was like, okay, like 
maybe I should start practicing again and, you know, try to play well. And I, I mean, it's always rusty. But at the same time, I think that was the like the first time in a long time that it felt like I was picking up the clubs for me, right? Like it was like, okay, like I'm going out to practice because I want to play well at this next event. Whereas, you know, you're you're with a team, you're practicing and it's kind of like, yeah, like most of the days I want to be here. There's a few days where I maybe want to be doing something else or like, you know, you have a midterm coming up, like you're at practice, but you're really thinking about, oh, like I need to get back and study for this or, you know, like you're not really fully focused on like getting better and while you're at practice. So I think just being on summer vacation, not really having school to worry about and just being able to get on the course by myself and kind of figure things out and just take it a little slower was definitely really helpful. Yeah. It's just refreshing to hear that like you have the same mindset and thought process and struggles and challenges that I mean so many other student athletes and then professional athletes experience. That voice in our head can make us feel like we are the only one and the best never have these thoughts and they never struggle to balance it and they never struggle to refocus. And so, you know, I super appreciate you being like really candid about that experience. Knowing what you've been able to accomplish now to think you had that moment of like, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. And then you would have never accomplished what you did this past year and also be where you are. It gives me the chills a little bit because we can't really ever know what the future holds. And then there's some people who are ready to move on to that new thing, but then they don't and they stay stuck and they stay miserable in that depressed place because of the, maybe it's next year, maybe it's next year. And with something like golf, there's always another tournament. There's players that are like well into their 50s, can't run a mile, but kill it because it's so skill oriented. Like, so it is one of those specific sports where like you can just convince yourself to never stop, but then are you staying stuck in that place, you know? Yeah, so that was, I think, something that I was always afraid of, of just turning pro and, I mean, not making it, but continuing to just keep pursuing it. I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, I do have other dreams, right? Like, eventually, like, not anytime soon, but long term, like, I want to be a mom, like, I want to have a family. And just the thought of maybe turning pro and not being successful for 10, 15 years and just continuing to grind at that and just not really knowing like if I'm ever going to make a ton of money or like how successful I'm going to be like that gave me a lot of anxiety like junior senior year because it was like is this really a viable career like how much money can I expect to make from this and still also enjoy it and then when it comes to that time be able to walk away and like do the other things that I want to do I never wanted to get stuck playing and just grinding and grinding and grinding and just kind of hoping for it to resolve itself and I feel like this experience for golf specifically is something that I think goes like pretty unspoken. Like this, oh, I'm blinking. Who was the player? Was it Grayson Murray? I'm blinking on the name, but someone, there was a professional men's golfer who had like a series of tweets where they were explaining like how low they had felt in the pursuit of like all the different tours that you can be on and how hard it is to keep your status. And I mean, could you kind of just share with us what some of those days grinding are like, you know, that that are the ugly ones, maybe the end of that junior year? Yeah, I mean, just just going to practice every day. So a typical practice week for us looked like three workouts, an hour long. We'd play 18 holes three times in the morning, and then the other two days we'd practice. So 18 holes is generally around three and a half hours, maybe four 
workouts, obviously an hour, and then you have class on top of that. And then on the weekends, you know, like I was like, okay, like my game doesn't feel great. So I'd go work another six, six hours or so, like on the weekends. But I mean, even then, like, I think it was Grace and Murray. I think you're correct on that. So professional golf has qualifying school at the end of the year. And then that kind of determines your status for the next so year. So brutal. You got one day, one tournament yes. to place. And if you don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So the men's side is even tougher. But I mean, the women's side follows a similar structure where so when I turned pro, I we actually had three stages. I started at stage one. People are exempt to second or third, depending on like if they were on tour the year before and lost their status and stuff. And yeah, it's just top so many advance to each stage. And then at the end, the top 20 get full status on the LPGA up to 45 and ties gets conditional. And then if you don't make it, it again, depending on how low you finish, you have status on the Epson tour, which is like the Corn Ferry tour, since you're familiar with that. It's the tour like just below the PGA tour. And then other than that, there's a bunch of mini tour events. So you really just have this one shot to get status for your entire year. Like that makes your your entire year. So I remember going through stage one and just being like, okay, like this is the stage you need to make it out of or else you don't have anything for next year. So that was that was pretty stressful. So much pressure. What's your routine or how do you cope going to bed the night before knowing so much is riding on the next day? Yeah, I always just like to think of all the practice that I put in. I think like in the moment, in the night before, just just kind of thinking like, okay, like I've prepared so much for this. Like everyone's nervous, everyone's feeling it, but I've done the the work, right? Like the work is there and just in the moment thinking, you know, I'm ready. Whether I feel it or not, like I've hit the shot a lot of times. I've, you know, performed this under pressure. I've done well in the past and I'm going to play well. Like I think the more you tell yourself like good things are going to happen, good things are going to happen, like the more you kind of manifest that and the more it happens. This episode of RealPod is brought to you by BetterHelp. I cannot say enough about how much I love therapy, I rave about it, and how important it is for us to talk with an expert about the things we're going through. Whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you get to define how you give to yourself, and the holidays are a great time to do that. So whether it's by starting therapy or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, which that has been one of my self-care go-tos recently, Please remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. I don't know how I would get through the holidays if I wasn't having check-ins with my therapist. I go every other week and I'm actually going Thursday, so tomorrow, and I cannot wait. I just know I'm going to feel 10 times better when that session ends because I'll have had that ability to work through something that's tough for me with another person who can look at it with a completely unbiased lens. And if this inspires or encourages you and you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, better. H-E-L-P dot com slash real pod to get 10% off your first month. 
If you're a longtime listener of RealPod, you probably know that I've been drinking AG1 for years now and pretty much talk about them every single episode. I truly cannot stress enough how much I love AG1. I have it every single morning. The reason I drink AG1 daily is because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. And since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition. They are continuously refining their formula, ensuring it's the best to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. And that is why I'm so obsessed with them. For me, I really take this holistic approach. And in the morning when I give my body these really, really important nutrients, I just know that for the rest of the day, I've set myself and my body up for success. I replaced my multivitamin with AG1. And every scoop includes probiotics, digestive enzymes, B vitamins, and so much more to help nourish your body. So AG1 is definitely the supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why they've been a partner of mine for so long. If you want to try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase, just go to drinkag1.com slash realpod. That's drinkag1.com slash realpod. Check it out. You've been really open as well about having a mental coach, which I love and thank you for doing that because I think we need to be at a place where having an athletic trainer is just it's viewed the exact same as having a mental coach or a therapist or a sports psych because I believe at the highest level, more than half, I think like 80% of winning is going to come down to your mindset. Like you can put the time in, you can be amazing physically, but if you don't believe in yourself, have the positive thoughts, have the ability to focus and reset after a bad hole or a bad play, you're not going to be able to achieve what you want. So how long have you been working with a mental coach? What led you to seek that? How do you find one that you trust? And how often are you working together? Yeah, so I actually connected with Bill Nelson my freshman year, and that was through the team. Coach Gaston hired him to work with the team, and that was kind of the first time. I mean, I had done some work with a few other people, but back in high school and like the beginning of college, I was like, okay, like, I think it's important, but at the same time, if I play well, I'll feel better. Like at the end of the day, I thought it was more physical than mental. And so, yeah, so I started working with Bill and I actually stopped working with him. So we had a head coach change my junior year and we switched mental coaches. Which is so hard. (laughs) Yes, it was just, it was an adjustment, but I stopped working with Bill for for about two years. And then, yeah, I kind of went through that rough time and I was just like, hey, like, I just feel like he always was able to put things into perspective for me and kind of give me something else to focus on and like move forward from. And like working with him had always been something positive for me. So I started working with him again, I want to say right after COVID hit and like right before I started going through Q school, I reached out and I was just, hey, like I'd like to continue the work. I know it's been, you know, a few years at this point, but what we did was really helpful for me. So we started working together And so, yeah, so we've been working together again ever since. What's one of the biggest things that you've taken from some of those sessions? I know I have like core memories of certain like moments with my therapist or psychologist that you never forget. Yeah, there's been a bunch. I mean, I think just the bigger realization of like everyone has all of these fears, like 
and you're not really special for having them, I think that was kind of a game changer because you go out and you like perform for you volleyball, right? And you're probably thinking like, oh, like all the other girls are playing so well, like they probably have no anxiety, like they probably feel great about everything. And then, you know, you talk to other people, and you're like, okay, like everyone else kind of feels this too. Like it's very normal. And like, you don't have to feel so ashamed about, you know, getting nervous. Like, I think the biggest thing for me is like the nerves are good, right? Like you want to be excited to go out and compete. And with that comes nerves. Yeah. It's really wild how our anxious mind will convince us we're the only one. And if anyone knows, that's going to reveal we're not good enough and we shouldn't be here. But then like the reason why the mental health conversation has taken off so much is because everyone's like, okay, yay. It's like we're all poking our heads out like, okay, you're going to come out too. Amazing. Yeah. Like no shit. Like this is hard mentally. You know, we're trying to do something that requires everything. And you know, when you also think about your identity and you've been playing since you were a little girl and maybe that thought of like, well, what would I do if it wasn't golf? You're like, well, I don't even, I haven't really thought about what it would be. So where is your identity at when it comes to viewing yourself as like Alice in the person or the champion golfer? Yeah, I think it's very important to kind of separate those. Like you said, I don't think it's it's healthy to tie it all together and say, like, I am like the golfer. I think it's very healthy to, you know, have your own life and, you know, focus on other passions and then just say, by the way, like my job is to be an athlete and like go to work and I play golf for a living. And I don't think that means that you love it any less. For me, like that's been actually what helped me love it even more is just having that separation of like, this isn't everything that I do. Mm hmm. Now, when you won at Pebble Beach, which was unreal, congratulations, you were obviously on cloud nine. How did you come in clutch on that final Sunday? Because I think it's relatable to everyone to be where you want to be in the position you want to be in. You've worked so hard and then have that fear of what if I let it all slip away in this moment? Yeah, there's there's a few things. I think I mean, I had been in contention a few times earlier in the year, and I don't think I ever played bad, but I never quite finished it out. So I think just having those prior experiences and just kind of continuing to put myself into contention definitely prepared me to be in that final group, to have, you know, so many people watching us and just feel like comfortable enough to hit the shots that I needed to hit. I mean, I called Bill that morning and I think just just being grateful for where I was in that moment. I called him that morning and it was just and he was just saying, you know, like, not many people even get to be in the final group. Like, okay, like, it's great if you win, but, like, just being at Pebble Beach, I mean, that was the first Women's Open there. So that's the first time they've really hosted such a large women's event. So just being able to be part of that first field there and, yeah, being able to be in that position Sunday was really special. And he just kind of told me, like, enjoy it. Just go out and have fun. And for me, like, I've always played my best when I'm having fun and just yeah, I mean, I went out there and felt really calm for some reason. Like, I haven't really had that happen before, but it just felt like a lot of things clicked into place where they had it before. Yeah. It's almost like you did put in all that work and then you felt it pay off because you were different in this moment. I feel like that's on a separate note, not me playing in a Sunday group in Bubble, but like in my personal life recently, I've had some things come up where I've just reacted differently. I would have sent off this, you know, long text with my thoughts. And I'm like, I'll do it tomorrow when I like sleep on it and think about it. Like you get to this place where you're like, oh, wow, this is what it means to put the work in and see it pay off as I'm now in this moment that I've been in before, but I'm feeling differently about it. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing that me and Bill talked about is like every time the fear comes up, like that's actually your brain trying to protect you. So like it might not feel like it when your brain's just like, oh, like you might hit in the water, right? <laughs> but it's really just your brain like pointing out like danger, like I'm afraid of that. So really just being able to say like, okay, like thanks for letting me know, but that's not an issue actually. Like I'm going to keep doing like what I need to do and like, you know, hit it on the green. Just little things like that. It really just felt like throughout the whole day, like, I mean, even trying to keep my walk the same, the talk the same, like trying not to get any faster under the pressure. There was a lot just kind of racing. It isn't super visible on TV, I don't think, but there was like actually a cameraman just walking like 10 feet in front of me the entire day. No. <laughs> and only the final round too, because that's that's the final group. They're like, great, let's throw in this yes. extra factor um, that you can deal with. <laughs> yeah. So that was different. I mean, I was I was walking that round kind of like not really able to talk to Jay, my caddy, and you know, just because we have a camera right in front of us. So really just being able to, yeah, enjoy the moment and just not letting it overwhelm you. I haven't ever really thought about that when you're watching a golf tournament and like you want to have those personal conversations and you're like, oh, is the mic picking this up? Like, I can't say that now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was cool too to hear you talk about how you were not check, you were trying not to check the leaderboard. It reminds me of this sick Olympic meme. And I think it's Michael Phelps and some other person. And it's like, losers focus on winners and winners focus on winning. And it's like Michael Phelps swimming and his head's down. And then there's the person that lay next to him is up, like looking to see where he is. And I just, I always used to think about that as an athlete. And so why were you so adamant about playing my game and not checking the score and comparing myself to others? Yeah. So starting Sunday, the only person I was behind was Nasa. I was one stroke back and everyone else was behind me. So I believe it was, she was seven under, I was six under. And then the next people started at four under and and higher. So I mean, I kind of went into the final round thinking like, okay, the only person, if I play my best, that can beat me is Nasa because she's already ahead of me. So if I can just go out there and play my best and assuming no one else really, you know, like if their best is the same as my best, I'm going to come out ahead. Mm -hmm. That was kind of how I went into the final round thinking. So it was really just like keep my head down, get the job done and see where I stand at the end of the day. I typically, I think it is very like athlete dependent. I mean, I typically just don't like looking at the leaderboards in general. I mean, I know some athletes do. They just like knowing where they are. I just, for me, it hasn't worked out very well in the past. <laughs> yeah. And that is important. You know, everyone, it functions differently. For some people, it motivates them. It lets them play more free. But I admire that about you. Now, would you say that your overall mindset, like if I had to sum up kind of what I've been able to learn from you in just this conversation it sounds like it's these two things. It's being rooted in gratitude. So like coming back to that joy, the appreciation, the how lucky am I, which then like maybe grants you some of this freedom to play. And then the second part being like an intentional focus of knowing what I'm here to do, executing my plan. And when I catch myself wavering from that, bringing it back. Would you say that those two are are a good sum. The, I ask because I know people are listening to this wanting to be the best at their craft and want to know like what's your recipe and how can they maybe take something from this and apply it to themselves. Yeah, I mean I think that's that's exactly it. The only thing I would add I think is really just being able to separate like work from everything else. I mean I'm pretty intentional and like okay, like I'll go today and you know put in my 3 hours of work and after that like no golf. For me, 
I actually try to take a day off every week just to kind of reset the body, give, give myself some time to rest. I mean, I know, like you said, the recipe is different for everyone else, but that's, that's been what's worked the best for me. I've had times where, you know, I try to practice every day and then I end up going and I'm like, another day of practice, like, and it just ends up not being as beneficial to me than, you know, really going out there and enjoying putting in the work. So I think it's really just being able to evaluate when things are and aren't working for me and really being honest with myself. Even if some people do train every day, like I get too tired when I do that. You know, it's stuff like that. Just really finding something that works the best for me. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that you take a day off every week because I think there's this false misconception of like the best don't rest. And every if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And it's like really toxic. And it's actually you realize, no, it's so important to have recovery time because then you can properly replenish and recharge. So you heard it here from the best. Take your days off, people. So where are you now approaching, you know, being on the LPGA, obviously probably trying to chase your next win, What's that like having this huge success under your belt? Has it changed things at all? Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest change is just the opportunities that it's brought me and just just been a lot busier since then, which I'm very grateful for. But I mean, a lot more media every week when I'm on the road and, you know, a lot more people recognizing me, just things that I never really considered before the win, you know, just budgeting a little extra time just to sign more signatures and stuff like that. Are you liking that or are you like, I wish I could go back to going to my practice round and no one knowing who I am? I mean, it's a bit of both. Like, I think it's it's awesome just getting people into women's golf, just getting the interest. I don't think women's sports gets enough attention. So really just having people recognize me and, you know, kind of feeling like I can be a better ambassador for the game, I think, has been really special. But there's definitely weeks where I'm like, I kind of wish I could just you know, do my own thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Like, that was so historic and amazing. And it is going to, it. like I said, it, it's history. And I love the way that women's sports is really starting to, I feel like, just catapult into a new level over the past few years and like heading into this new year. So it's amazing. And it must feel unreal to be a part of that and be such a face for it, like in your sport. So congrats. And I'm so glad you're, a, you know, a former Trojan. And I am just grateful to have had this conversation with you and gone to pick your brain. I was thinking this driving here. I was like, so Allison's going to go on to be like the best female golfer of all time. And like, she'll have been on Real Pad. How sick is that? Not kidding. Not to put the pressure on you, but it's cool to have this conversation so early in your career, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's really exciting. And I think it's really good that I'm at a point in my life where, you know, like just really looking forward to everything that's going to come. Yeah, well, I'm rooting for you. Max and I are rooting for you. I was actually at the game where Essie brought you on the field. I saw that. Yeah, with mm -hmm. your trophy, which was sick. That must have felt amazing did it yeah I think I mean that was my first time back at SC like I've kind of dropped by for a few minutes every now and then but that was my first time back at campus like since I graduated so yeah it was awesome yeah it looked insane that was so sick everyone hyping you up in the Coliseum but thanks again for coming on the show wishing you all the best this new year and I love chatting with you thanks for having me 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.